Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We're here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the walk for change across the entire industry. Today we have Sophie Giebel, and she is the Chief Growth Officer at OpenPay and a non-exec director at PayU. She started her career in investment banking in New York before joining a growth capital fund in Paris. She's very, very passionate about helping organizations launch new propositions customers will love, and she really enjoys growing them internationally too. So she's here today to share her story. Sophie, welcome. Thank you very much for being on the series. Hello, Nadia. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So just to open things up, it'd be great if you could tell us all about your background. Yeah, so basically my background started uh, in finance uh, around, I think, uh, 15 years ago or so. Um, I started in New York, uh, emergency in acquisitions. Then I moved into uh, leverage buyouts. Um, But then I discovered startups and I felt in love with it. That's the reason why I joined an investment fund in, uh, in Paris to invest in startups. While I was at this investment fund, um, I just figured out that I just didn't want to only invest in them, but I also wanted to be able to actually like put in place the strategy. Um, And I left this investment fund, actually. uh, And funnily enough, I met uh, with a lady from Silicon Valley whose name is Pornima Vijayashankar, which is the co-founder of Mint.com. Oh, wow. Yeah. And basically, she told me, look, you want to go into startups, but you just don't know how to do that. Well, I have uh, a bedroom to give you in Silicon Valley. Just come for the time you want and come to investigate. And uh, and yeah, and this is what I did. So one week later, I was in uh, Palo Alto um, and uh, and this is how it uh, it all started. So um, to get things started, I actually set up a blog on my own, whose name was 99 Startup. And the idea was to talk about Silicon Valley and interview a lot of people to be able to show um, investors and startups and what was so special about Silicon Valley. But for me, it was really uh, actually a way to talk to people and to do my investigations. Mm. Um, and after a couple months of doing that, uh, I think I met around 90 people. People in Silicon Valley are just amazing because they they just say yes to meeting with you, even if they don't know you. Um, and after a couple months, basically, I had figured out uh, that, yes, I really wanted to go into startups. I had also found a way to do that, um, which was through business development, really, which uh, I felt comfortable with after talking to 90 people that I didn't know <laughs> and setting yes. up a block for it. Um, and uh, and so I came back to Europe because I actually figured out that I wanted to uh, to be in Europe at that time. And I joined a company called HelloFresh. I actually launched it in the UK. So I was 
Amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so it was called, um, so it, I was recruited by Rocket Internet to effectively launch HelloFresh in the UK. So I was here day zero. We were only three people. Um, I became in charge of marketing. So I was chief marketing officer with a finance background. I haven't done any marketing in my life. <laughs> <laughs> which was quite funny um, and uh, and yeah so it was really interesting because it was really scary on one side because I had never done marketing but on the other side very exciting because I got to learn very fast because at Rocket Internet you really need to um, to go fast oh. so what I did at this point was to uh, buy uh, marketing for dummies the book to set up uh, put in place a marketing strategy That's brilliant marketing for dummies I love it so anyone wanting to do something they don't know anything about get those books <laughs> well exactly so it's really what I did and actually we did super well with um, with HelloFresh in the UK there were six countries launching at the same time and we were uh, always at the top um, which um, I mean which was really rewarding um, but after a few months, actually, I figured out that um, e-commerce was interesting, but a bit automated, you know, like it's just once you have figured out your marketing channel, you need just to push the money and to optimize things. But it's not the learning curve is not um, as big after a few months. And I wanted something more meaty. So that's when I moved into fintech. And that was eight years ago. Amazing. Um, and I joined a company called Bankable, um, which is a banking uh, as a service provider. Um, at that time, we were selling prepaid cards for uh, corporates uh, to give to their employees. Um, I spent three years there as a head of product strategy and commercialization. And we moved the company from card um, selling corporate cards, basically, to uh, providing banking as a service to to corporates and also fintechs. Uh, so, for example, we launched a um, prepaid card platform for Deutsche Bank, for um, Commerce Bank as well. We launched consumer programs. So, a lot of uh, different uh, things. It was super interesting. After three years there, I actually uh, totally felt in love with a company whose name is Fedor, mm -hmm. that is a bit known in the fintech space. Um, and I wanted to do banking as a service for them. Um, the reason why I, I thought their strategy was great is because they had um, this banking license. Um, and I thought it was the way to go is to actually own more services instead of having so many intermediaries. It was the ability to actually own some stuff to reduce the costs. Um, and um, actually, I didn't join them to do that. I joined them to launch the, the bank in the UK. So for Fedor, I launched a bank in the UK. I, after that, worked on the European expansion strategy. Then I restructured the SME banking account. And finally, I was head of sales for the technology and launching new banks for um, banks and retailers and telecom companies across Europe for the past two years. And this is when I joined OpenPaid. Uh, so it was, uh, I joined OpenPaid uh, only one month ago. And uh, as their chief uh, growth officer, and the reason why I joined them is basically because they uh, dedicate themselves to help SMEs access banking and payments. 
And this is a topic I have been really passionate about uh, at Bankable. I had a side project uh, there and at Fidor when I was restructuring the SME bank accounts. And I really like decided that my next mission should be in there because I really think SMEs need access to banking and payments. I think it's almost a right for them to uh, to get that access. Um, and um, and uh, I think open paid mission is uh, is rare, is really great. And on the other side, I think the services we develop are really fulfilling the needs of those companies. Yeah. Um. I absolutely love your journey and your story. I'm so glad you told everybody that whole journey because there's so much in there that I think uh, it's just so important to share. You had a mentor, you took a chance, like not not everybody one week later would have been in, in somebody's house across the other side of the world, but you grabbed that opportunity and, and look where it's taken you. You know, you then did things that were outside your comfort zone, the 99 startups, you spoke to all those people. Well, no wonder you're doing so much with startups yourself now because you went out, grabbed the opportunity and just did all of that research. And I think that's such a good message for us all to be listening to and hearing. And and I love the fact that you're not afraid to, to do something that you, you don't know anything about, like you'll just go and learn it. That's such a great stretch mindset. I love it. So it's good to hear why you joined Open Pay, uh, Open Paid. I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit more about, because you touched upon it at the end there, like what Open Pay are doing and what makes them different to their competitors in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, so basically, Open Paid has developed a platform that is accessible through a single API. Uh, that gives access to plenty different banking and payment services for SMEs that wants to do cross-border payments, that also wants to hold the money um, of their consumers, such as marketplace, for example, um, crypto companies, uh, crypto wallets, or that wants to launch new business propositions. And what OpenPay provides is this access to plenty different partners uh, from different geographies and different industries through the single API. So it's very easy to integrate. We also provide with a range of um, licenses. Um, so one in the UK, one in uh, Malta, one in Turkey and 44 in the US, which gives the ability to actually not be regulated because you can be regulated under our own license, which means when you are in a, a fintech company, you can launch very quickly and also at a very like low cost because you don't need to acquire the license. So it's really a big benefit. We also do compliance as a service. So it means that if you just want to focus on acquiring customers, providing the best custom, uh, customer experience ever, we really can provide you with the IT and the compliance in, um, in the background. And we specifically focus on underserved uh, SMEs. So basically, like banks don't like to um, to address all SMEs in the market. I mean, it's common. Uh, everybody knows that. Um, and where we have seen we could help the most were were FX brokers. Uh, for them to basically offer to their consumers the ability to hold funds in a specific currency and change whenever they want into another currency. That's the first thing. Uh, the second category of clients we can help are crypto companies. Um, we help them uh, launch their services. We help them hold funds for their consumers. Um, ability to accept uh, payments by cards, um, but also by uh, bank transfer. So this is what we do uh, for them. 
Um, and the, the last uh, type of clients we, we have are all those new fintech companies that are uh, launching and they come to us and they can get everything they need under only one contract under pay as you grow. So they don't need to make massive investment up front and they access a very modern platform. Mm -hmm. um, at the moment we are in Europe, um, we also have those 44 licenses in the US, which means we are live in the US. We will be stepping up activities next year. Um, and we are also looking at Asia, but it's more around the 12 to 18 months period. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it's really making it all just so accessible for your client base, which is it's a massively unique proposition. I like this page you grow as well. Yes. That's, um, that's really nice. So. Right now in the business, what, what do you think is your biggest challenge you face today? Um, well, I have been recruited for growth. Uh, so I would say that probably about structuring the operations for, um, for, to grow, basically. So the company is three years old. Um, it's profitable. It's quite sizable already. Um, we have 70 employees. So, I mean, it's quite big. But everything has been coming uh, up to now through word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, which means we have been doing quite well, but now we need to go to the next step of the journey that will enable us to really have global operations. So my, um, my challenge is definitely to be able to structure uh, marketing, sales, slash growth operations to bring the company to the next stage. Yeah, and that, that's going to be a very exciting prospect, I can imagine, and challenging for sure. Um, right. So... You, this is something that you're really passionate about. You've been an advisor to smaller companies. You're now going to bring this to your day-to-day -day job here. Tell us a bit more about how you've helped businesses grow. Yes, so I have always been passionate about actually helping um, other companies grow. Um, I think it comes from my background in finance at some point when I was an investor. What I really liked, it was to be able to jump from one business model to another business model and really feel myself through that, but also see the benefits of connecting different businesses together to make more businesses and, and reach out to more customers. And when I made my shift into fintech, I mean, if you remember, I had no startup experience. I had done, okay, a few months at HelloFresh launching it, but I didn't know anything about fintech. Um, and I thought the best way to do that, uh, to, to go into fintech, besides working at Bankable, was actually to offer services as a mentor. Um, I mean, in pro bono, like, uh, but helping them uh, do fundraising. And this is how I started being a mentor. Um, and I started, uh, I joined fintech basically at the new uh, fintech wave uh, in London. So it was back in 2011-12, yeah. uh, something like that. So it means that I joined um, as a mentor, um, startup bootcamp fintech, level 39. I was also a teacher at um, UCL, uh, master of entrepreneurship. So I did all that kind of thing. And, um, and basically, I love it because I, I love seeing businesses grow and help them with whatever I learn and be able to share my journey. So now I have uh, actually decided that I prefer to um, involve myself, let's say, a bit more deeply into relationship with the startups beyond mentorship, uh, me, meaning that instead of doing um, very like on the spot mentorship, answering some questions, now I have become an advisor for a few companies. Um, which are, for example, Utrip in Hong Kong um, that uh, provides, basically has developed 
uh, multi-currency travel cards uh, for uh, for consumers uh, in partnership with specific brands across Southeast Asia. Um, I'm also at the advisory board of Supercharger uh, in Hong Kong that um, is uh, an accelerator program for fintech companies that has been working, for example, with Standard Chartered and the other big names. Um, I also support um, uh, an insurtech uh, fund based in Paris that invests in insurance uh, technology companies across Europe. And my latest uh, roles are um, in a company called Neoplacé that does saving as a service for banks and uh, investment companies. And um, I'm now also a non-executive director at uh, a company called PayU, which uh, provides payment to merchants across the globe, and it's also the fintech arm of Naspers. Well, that's all so impressive. So you just you, you give so much back, like your this mentoring, this um, skills sharing, and we spoke about this before. Like you're you're very passionate about skills sharing within the industry. So the industry can move forward together and we can all get better together. This giving back is really important to you. I wondered if you if you would share with us like where that came from. I wouldn't know where it comes from, but uh, I, I would say that uh, I, I've always liked to help people and it's my way to help people. Yeah. So some people get involved very much in a charity. That's my own way to give time to some companies to help them grow. What I have seen is that doing that brings a lot of benefits to everybody because you can connect people together. You can really help them do business. There is really an ecosystem effect. Even if I, I, ecosystem is very much used, but there is really benefits in, in getting involved in so many things because actually you can help, like your, the companies you're helping can help each other. And in the end, they will also help you through their connections. So I think it's really important for us in the industry to actually help each other because we we have a very strong partnership approach between fintechs helping each other, reselling each other products um, and services, but also between banks and fintechs. And I think having this approach really benefits everybody and hopefully the, the end consumer in the end, because we are all doing that uh, to, 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 of course, have profitable company, but to make consumers happy because all these fintech waves have arrived uh, because there was a demand somewhere. So this is all in the benefits of the consumer fund. Yeah, I, I love that, that whole thought process you've just explained, because for me, like with this podcast series, I call it pay it forward. You know, it's about if um, if I, I do something for you, you should do something for someone else and it will come back to all of us. And if we're all helping each other get better and we're all making changes in the industry, it just means that we're becoming a better industry and everyone's going to have this ethos of, of looking after one another and, and helping. It's just the concept of pay it forward. I, 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 yes. It's yeah, definitely what the industry needs. But yeah. I, I see a lot of that around. I mean, it's not, uh, I, I don't feel we are, um, we are just by ourselves. I, I feel a lot of people are in this mindset. Yeah, I agree. A lot more than used to be, and I love it. So just moving on to companies and their culture. Um, I talk a lot to people about how we can improve and build on diversity within the industry. And I wanted just to, uh, you've had so much experience within fintech outside fintech in more traditional financial services 
I wanted to ask you about your thoughts on how companies can build a better culture that will walk the talk for change and, and moving things forward for diversity and inclusion. Yeah, I think that's a huge question, obviously, specifically in our industry. Um, like, just on a side note, what is quite funny is that, so I have, most of my life I have worked with uh, with guys, and uh, and I had bosses that were males. But actually, at OpenPaid, for the first time, uh, my, uh, my boss, the CEO, is a woman, which is quite... Exciting, uh, exciting for, for me. Um, so, but just going back to this diversity topic, I think it, it starts everywhere. It starts about managers showing the example, of course. Yeah. It starts into uh, HR policies in terms of recruitment. Uh, even if needed, forcing that, di that diversity, because uh, if you have nine candidates that are males and one candidate that is woman, in the end, if you don't force it and say, well, the objectives are to get that many percentage of women, then you won't go there. I think the former um, CEO of HSBC that had a policy like that, that said that they, he wanted to be part of the 30% club. And that's fantastic, I mean, because you see that like women are here at the bottom, but they come, come up because of plenty different reasons. Then if you start forcing those things happening, then they will happen. So for me, it happens at the recruitment process, but it also, of course, happens during um, or in your um, own policies. Um, I think a lot of companies are moving towards that, the big ones. Um, however, of course, the pay gender pay gap is still huge, and this is definitely something that they need to work on. Now, I think on the fintech side and the smaller companies, it's always difficult to, to start with that because you start with whatever you can, right? Yeah. But I think if you input this culture from the top, then you, you from early on, you can actually start it. But it's can be difficult to actually do that when you are only two, three employees and you are growing and you need to grow fast, etc. So I think it's about really the management to um, to to show example and to uh, walk their own talk. Uh, then HR can input those uh, processes and then their manage managers, like the people a bit below, can also input those processes. Yeah. Well, I love that. The managers should walk their own talk. Yeah, that is a brilliant, brilliant way to close the to close the podcast. So my final question for you is what's next on the horizon for you? Oh, so uh, like so definitely uh, the next few months at open pay, uh, paid and stepping up the, the growth. It's uh, going to be a vast agenda. Knowing I have uh, only five uh, months remaining before my maternity leave. Uh, Congratulations! <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. So definitely, it's going to be a busy year. So uh, with uh, with a new little one uh, coming to the family, but also making sure that everything for um, open paid is in place so that we can go to the um, to to the next level. Yeah. Well, I, congratulations on the fact that you'll be going on maternity leave. That's great. So what a great story to share. So you're, you're succeeding at home and you're succeeding in work. It sounds great. It yeah. Sounds well, great. I, I, I just want to say that it's not that easy, right? Like I, you, you don't have to be a Wonder Woman to do that. You just, it, it, it takes some concessions and it also takes like 
a very strong supporting network uh, made of family, made of carers, made of a very strong partner, etc. I, I just don't want to look like the woman that does everything because I have a lot of people supporting me and without that I wouldn't be able to do it. Well, I think that's great that you've mentioned that because we could almost do an entire podcast on how how do you do all of this because it is a subject that people are people are really questioning me about like like what is the right way to approach your your boss when when you know that you're pregnant and when you're going off from maternity leave um what is the process of re-embedding back into work so I think me and you will definitely be doing a part two of this podcast for sure um pleasure but honestly, Sophie, you've been absolutely fantastic today on this podcast series. I'm so happy that you've shared your journey. And it's been so lovely getting to know you better and hearing everything that you've done to challenge challenge yourself, but also challenge the industry. So thank you for joining us today on Women of Fintech podcast series. Thank you so much, Nadia. Thanks. <laughs>